Scripture points us to a day when this world as we know it will come to an end. Both the Old and New Testaments talk about uh, the day of the Lord, the coming of the day of the Lord. There are prophecies throughout Old and New Testament that talk about things that are to come. And some of those things, as we read them, can be alarming. Uh, Some of those things can be terrifying. Uh, And in addition to that, the apocalyptic nature of that literature in both the Old and New Testament it makes it to where the, there are countless interpretations to these. There are different ways that people interpret what these mean. There's debates that go on and on uh, about timing of things. There are debates that go on of, is this a literal thing that's to come, or is it symbolic or metaphoric kind of representation of some things to come? It's important that we know when we think about these passages, when we read these, the intent is not to confuse or terrify us. For for believers in Jesus Christ, specifically for the church, passages about the coming into this world is not intended to terrify us. It is to remind us of the hope that we have. Uh, And so as we look at our passage today, the passage that we're looking at in Luke is one of the passages where Jesus is talking about things that are to come. Uh, And so as we kind of look at that, I don't want us to get bogged down in different understandings of eschatology, which is the, the study of the end times. Uh, I don't want us to get bogged down about timing and different debates about those things. What I want to especially do is remind us, church, of the hope that we have, knowing that our Savior is coming back. Jesus is going to come back. And because that is true, we have hope. We have something to hope in. And that also instructs us in the things that, in the life that we are called to live while we're waiting for Jesus' return. And so our sermon is titled, Living with the End in View. Living with the End in View. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to to Luke 21. I'm going to read our passage and then pray for us. We ended last week with verse 4 in Luke 21. We're going to pick up with the remainder of Luke 21 today. Luke 21, starting in verse 5. As some were talking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, These things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left on another that will not be thrown down. Teacher, they asked him, So when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Then he said, Watch out. That you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Don't follow them. When you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. Indeed, it is necessary that these things take place first, but the end won't come right away. Then he told them, Nation will be raised up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes and famines and plagues in various places, and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, 
They will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time, for I will give you such words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will even be betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will kill some of you. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but not a hair of your head will be lost by your endurance Gain your lives. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that the desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those inside the city must leave it, and those who are in the country must not enter it. Because these are days of vengeance to fulfill all the things that are written. Woe to the pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days, for there will be great distress in the land. And wrath against this people. They will be killed by the sword and led captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Then there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. There will be anguish on the earth among the nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and expectation of the things that are coming on this world because powers. Of the, heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put out leaves, you can see for yourselves and recognize that summer is already near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing, drunkenness, and worries of life, or that day will come on you on all I'm sorry, that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth. But be alert at all times, praying that you are going I'm sorry, I keep getting off my lines, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that you are going to take place to stand before the Son of Man. During the day, he was teaching in the temple. But in the evening, he would go out and spend the night on what is called the Mount of Olives. Then all the people would come early in the morning to hear him in the temple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. We confess it again as true. We ask for your help uh, as we examine a passage that can... Uh, sound terrifying, uh, that, uh, that can be confusing. Help us understand what it is that you have for us from here uh, and work in us, Lord, to, uh, to change our lives, to live in response to the truth that we're going to hear today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
So I want to remind you after we've read that passage. Yes, there are terrifying sounding things here. Uh, I want to remind you, church, the intent of these passages is not to terrify us. It doesn't mean that there aren't terrifying and scary things that are going on, but it is not intended to terrify us as church. I remember as a child, one of the churches that we were in, uh, I remember the pastor preaching through end-time stuff. It seemed like he was always in end-time stuff, and it was always presented with terror. I was afraid. And that's not the intent for us. It is intended to remind us of the hope that we have. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And so the central truth for us is we're going to walk through this passage is this. Jesus is our hope when the world falls apart. Jesus is our hope when the world falls apart. Now, before we get into the text, I want to offer a little bit of clarity about how we're going to approach today's passage because we're going to approach it differently than I normally do. Instead of us walking through kind of just through the verses or through the sections of verses in order, uh, we're going to kind of be looking at some common themes throughout the whole passage, which it's almost an entire chapter, right? It's, it's everything except for those first four verses. Uh, so instead of walking through verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, and just going through, uh, we're going to pull out some common themes of what Jesus is doing, uh, how he is teaching us, uh, what lesson is he giving us uh, as we work through this passage. Concerning the content, this is one of those passages that there are things that Jesus speaks about in here that have already taken place. Uh, There are things that took place in the year 70 A.D., uh, and they are specifically things that happened, and I'll mention those when we get to them. So there are things that are already done. There are things that were going on at the time that Jesus is speaking these things and in the years leading up to the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., and those things still still continue to this day. And there are things that are, we're still waiting for. They haven't happened yet. And so that's why we're breaking this passage up a little bit. Because the way that it's set up, there are things in the past. There are things that are in the past and the present. And there are things that are still to come. So we're going to be looking at this a little bit differently. The thing that initiates this lesson we see in verses 5 through 7. As some were talking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, These things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left on another that will not be thrown down. Teacher, they asked him, So when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Those verses initiate the lesson from Jesus. And so what we're going to do is as we work through this chapter is we're going to look at it from the stance of what is Jesus teaching us through these lessons. The first thing that we're going to see is this. Jesus warns his followers about the end times. Jesus warns his followers about the end times. Warnings are intended to prepare people. Right? Just think about warning signs on the road. You passed several of them on your way here. Right? Warning signs on the road are intended to say, up ahead, this is what you can expect. Be ready for it. Okay? So Jesus 
the first thing we're going to look at is he is warning his followers. In verse 29 to 31 of this passage, we see him say, Then he told a parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put out leaves, you can see for, the, see for yourselves and recognize that summer is already near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. So he's teaching us these things to warn us of what's to come. He's wanting us to know this is what you can expect as a follower of Christ. And, and for this world as a whole, this is what you will see. And so what are the things that he warns about that can be expected in the days ahead? The first thing he mentions is false teachers, false messiahs, right? Verse 8 then he said, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is near. Don't follow them. Many will come in my name. Many will come saying, I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. That, that is one of the things from this passage that there was many, of, many people during the time from uh, Jesus' crucifixion until the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., there were many false messiahs that came. Many people who came and said, I'm the second coming of the Christ. I'm the second coming of the Messiah. Follow me. I'm going to lead you to the truth. And they were false messiahs with a false message, with no real hope. But that continues to this day. There are people, false messiahs, and people who are offering a, offering a false sense of hope. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be pulled away because of these false messiahs. Most recently, for most of us who are adults, uh, likely will remember David Koresh, right? David Koresh in Waco, uh, he claimed to be the second coming of the Christ. He was deceiving people and saying, I am he, I'm him, and we've got to be prepared for about what I'm about to do here. So that's still happening today. There are people who step up and claim to be the Messiah or a second representation of the Messiah. And Jesus is warning his followers, be on the lookout for that. Be aware of the people who are going to come and claim things that are not true. The next thing that he warns about is war and disasters. Now, this is one of the things that these are things that were happening before Jesus. These are things that were happening at the time of Jesus. These are happening now in this world. Verse 10 and 11, then he told them nation will be raised up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes and famines and plagues in various places, and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. There are going to be wars and natural disasters. That's part of living in this fallen world. Because of the corruption of sin, there are going to be those things. But Jesus is also looking ahead to a time where that is, there's going to be a, a greater uh, emphasis of those things. He says, I want you to know that this is what is coming. 
They continue to this day and they will continue until Christ comes back and establishes peace perfectly. He then warns about persecution. In verse 16 and 17, we see this. You will even... I'm sorry, let's back up to verse 12. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before the kings and governors because of my name. Then 16 and 7, you'll be even betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will kill some of you. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. He warns his followers that persecution is real, that they will be mistreated and some even killed. Now, he's speaking specifically here uh, to the disciples that are following him about specific persecution that they're going to face. Uh, between Jesus' crucifixion and the fall of Jerusalem, there was significant persecution for the early church. The, they were handed over to the Jewish synagogues because many of the Jews had not followed Jesus as their Messiah. And so they persecuted the church. But persecution still continues to this day. We don't see it as much here, and people say maybe that's coming uh, to our country as well, but there are places where you still face uh, harsh, harsh, cruel treatment for being a follower of Jesus and even death for being a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is warning, there will be people who persecute you because you have chosen to follow me. And then he talks about the destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. Now that's one that was a specific event that took place in 70 AD. Uh, so the instruction there is not necessarily instruction for us, but it is helpful for us. Right? So in verse 5 and 6, the disciples, they've left the temple and they are headed out. And the disciples are talking about how great the temple is. Saying, man, Jesus, look at this. Right At that time, the rebuilding of the temple that had been taking place, it was about, Herod had been working to rebuild the temple uh, for about 30 years. Uh, and it was one of the most impressive structures in all the Roman-controlled lands. And so the disciples are saying, man, Jesus, look at this place. Like, isn't our temple so impressive? And Jesus says, there's coming a day where the stones won't be standing on top of each other. There's a coming a day when this is all going to be destroyed. And then he later on in the passage talks about the fall of Jerusalem. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, recognize the desolation has come near. In the year 70 A.D., Jerusalem was overthrown. Titus, uh, the Roman leader, uh, completely destroyed Jerusalem. Uh, they destroyed the temple, and the temple that had been, had been adorned with uh, gold and stones and everything on the outside, the soldiers broke up those stones, pulled them apart in order to take the, the gold and the valuable things that were there. So that's an event that has happened in the past, but it's helpful for us to know Jesus 
looking ahead, being all-knowing, he said this is what's going to take place. So it's instructive for us to know that if the things that he said was going to take place, we've seen some of them took place exactly like he said then that can be helpful for us to know, okay, the other things that he talked about of what's to come, we can trust that those things will come too. In his teaching, he was warning followers. There's going to be hard days, right? This is terrifying sounding stuff. There are going to be hard days. He didn't promise a life of ease. I think it was... Uh, Barnabas Piper in a, in a sermon talked about, uh, don't confuse uh, the, the blessed life with Jesus uh, or the, the good life that comes with Jesus. Don't confuse that with a life of ease. He does not promise us a life of ease. We are promised a good life. We are promised a blessed life because of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean it will always be easy. Jesus warns us so that we can be prepared. He warns us so that we won't be overwhelmed. When the world is truly falling apart, He warns us because He loves us. And we're going to be able to see that in the rest of the text uh, as we walk through this. Uh, He doesn't just warn us and say, best of luck. He warns us because he loves us and he wants to give us hope. And so let's look at that. The next thing that we're going to see is he reassures his followers. So the second truth is this. Jesus reassures his followers about the end times. He reassures his followers about the end times. The first thing I want us to to recognize in this is God knows as, as the world may be falling apart, God knows. There's not one thing that takes place that God's not aware of. There's not one thing that takes place that God is in heaven and is looking around and saying, where did that come from? Right? He knows. And that's really reassuring for us to know that our God knows. So in verse 32 and 33... Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He knows what is coming. He is fully aware. And not only is he fully aware, but he's in control. That's even more important. So one, he knows what's happening, but when it seems like, when you read stories like this, and just in your life in general, there are days where it seems like everything's spiraling out of control. And it's important for us to know God is in control, right? He is in control. He's using what is happening, even the terrifying stuff. He's using what is happening. So in verse 9, we see this. When you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. Indeed, it's necessary that these things take place first, but the end won't come right away. And then verse 13, this will give you an opportunity to bear witness. God is using this for a purpose. The unraveling of the world, God is going to use 
to advance the kingdom. God is going to use to cause others to hear about the Savior that they desperately need. God is in control. He's using it. He knows exactly what is happening, right? That later on in the passage, it talks about all of this is going to take place until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. He has a time set in place. He is in control. The next thing that we're reassured with that is so helpful for us in terrifying times is God is with us. God is with us. So in verse 14 and 15, now this is speaking specifically concerning their persecution, but we have the promise that he's with us at all times. So in verse 14 and 15, Therefore make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time, for I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. I'm going to give you what you need in that moment. Where your life is on the line, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you exactly what you need. And when your world is falling apart, when you are going through one of the hardest things, to feel alone is crushing, right? Some of you may have walked through something in your life. Some of you may be walking through something in your life right now. And it is the worst thing you've ever endured, and if you have no one that, can, that, that knows about that, or no one that seems to care about that, that feels crushing to be alone in the hardest of times. And so God is reminding his people, Jesus is speaking to his people, I'm going to be with you. You're not going to go through this alone. That is a wonderful comfort to the church a wonderful reminder that he reassures us of. And then lastly, Jesus is coming back. Praise God for that. Jesus is coming back. In verse 27, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus is coming back. He's promised that, right? We've talked about that before. Uh, that he is going to return for us. He promises to come back for us. He reassures his followers again. All this is happening, and it has to happen before the end comes. But I will come back for you. I promise I'm coming back. He's going to come and right all the wrongs where the the world is completely unraveling and it's crushing and it's terrifying. He's going to make things right again. And that is such a gentle comfort in terrifying times. So things are going to be hard. And Jesus gives us these truths to keep us grounded during those hardships. Right? To help us face the hardships. He's reassured us by saying, it may seem like it's not true, but God knows what's happening. God is in control of what is happening and he's using it. God will be with you and Jesus is coming back for you. All of those truths are a wonderful reassurance to us as we look around at the world and think, man, how much worse can things get? 
And out of those assurances, we can now live the life that he calls us to live. And so that's going to take us to the third thing that Jesus is doing through this. Jesus instructs his followers on living in light of the end times. Jesus instructs his followers on living in light of the end times. The first instruction, there are several things here, just statements that he gives. The first that we see is, don't be deceived, right? Back in verse 8, as he is warning about the false teachers, watch out that you are not deceived, because people are going to come in my name. They're going to say that they're me. They're going to say that the end is near. Don't be deceived by false teachers and false messiahs. Verse 9, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. Some of your translations may say, don't be terrified. Indeed, it's necessary that these things take pl- must take place before the, and the end won't come right away. Don't be afraid. Now, I read this and I think, what do you, what do you mean, Jesus? Like, I was paying attention. What do you mean, don't be afraid? That's terrifying, some of the stuff you talked about. But that's one of the things that he tells his people over and over again throughout Scripture. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Fear not. Over and over and over again, God tells his followers this. Don't be afraid. And that's not because there aren't terrifying circumstances. We just read about some of them. But because of Jesus, and because of all the things that we were just reassured of, that God knows, God is in control, that Jesus is coming back for us, because of all of those things, we don't have to be overcome with fear. We don't have to be crippled by fear because of the terrifying things in this world. The rest of the world may be crippled by fear, The followers of Christ are being reassured you don't have to be afraid. The next thing he instructs us in is to bear witness. He says in verse 13, we already saw it, this will give you an opportunity to bear witness. All this stuff that's happening as the world falls apart, as you're persecuted, as there's all these things happening, you can bear witness about the Savior that this world needs. You can tell others about the depth of my love for them, that I sent my own Son for them. Bear witness. Endurance. He calls us to endure. In verse 19, by your endurance, gain your lives. And then later on, he says, pray for strength. Pray for the strength to endure what is ahead. Jesus wants us to endure. Scripture talks about uh, that there will be some who fall away. There will be some when things get hard that say, okay, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm not going to do this anymore. Jesus wants us to endure, and he instructs us to endure. Now, that does not mean that we're talking about the loss of salvation, but there are individuals who will have a connection with Jesus who will finally say, things are too hard, this is not what I I wanted, and they will walk away 
from it in these hard times. And two more things. Be watchful. Be watchful of what is coming. So in verse 28, but when these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is near. For the church, the instruction for us, for followers of Jesus, yes, the world may be falling apart. You don't have to be crippled by fear. You can actually stand up in the midst of it all and look for your Savior. Be watching for Jesus. He's coming back for you. Keep your eyes open for Him. And then lastly, be faithful. Be faithful. Verse 34 through 36. Be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing, drunkenness, and worries of life. Or that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth. But be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Be faithful. He says, don't give in. Like as the world falls apart and it almost feels like God doesn't care about anything that's going on, don't give yourselves into uh, patterns of sin. Or say, you know what? Nothing matters anymore. Just live how I want to live. And don't be so distracted by the things of this world that you aren't looking for what's ahead. Be faithful. Live faithful while you wait for Jesus. So he's instructing us. These are things you can do as the, as the end is ahead. We know that it's coming. So these are things that you can do. This is how you can live. And so if I would sum that up, Jesus is telling us, church, live faithfully while watching for your Redeemer. Live faithfully while watching for your Redeemer. Because you're a child of God, live like a child of God. No matter what happens, and we can do that because of the promises, because of the reassurances that He gives us, right? So I want us to remember the central truth that we started with. Jesus is our hope when the world falls apart. Jesus is our hope when the world falls apart. We need to remember that when personally our world is falling apart, whether it's something in your marriage, something with your children, something with your job, some kind of health crisis that you're in. We need to remember Jesus is our hope when the world is falling apart. And we need to remember that when the world is actually falling apart. When the end is drawing near, which we don't know when it will be, but we need to remember, I have hope right now. Because of Jesus, I have hope. Even though everything else is crumbling, this world is coming to an end. We don't know the timing of it. Scripture makes it clear that we won't know the timing of it. But it teaches us that it could be at any moment, and so be prepared. Do you know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ? Do you know the hope that's found only in Jesus? 
That's the most important thing first, is for you to know Jesus as your Savior. If you don't know him, today is a day of salvation for you if you would just believe in him. Because without Christ, Scripture also teaches us that we don't have hope. The, the heartbreaks of this world, the crushing things that will take place, we have no hope to get out of them. But because of Jesus, we can be saved. We can be forgiven. And so, if you don't know him, today's the day to put your faith in him. Today is the day to believe in him if you want to talk more about the, the sacrifice that Jesus made so that you could be forgiven, I would love to be able to talk with you about that. Church, God has demonstrated his kindness to us. He has warned us of the things to come so that we don't have to be crushed by them and terrified of them. He has reassured us of his promises. He's reassured us, I know what's happening. I'm in control. I'm with you. And Jesus is coming back for you. And then from there, he has, in his kindness, said, and this is how you're to live. This is what I want for, for you. Live faithfully while you're waiting for Jesus to come. There are going to be scary days, but we are not without hope. We have good news. Our Savior's coming back for us. One day, Jesus is going to come back for us. And so for us, church, let's live faithfully while we long for his return. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises we have. Help us remember those. Help us remember our hope. Uh, as we've looked at a, a challenging passage, I pray that these reminders to us will be a comfort. Help us trust you. And Holy Spirit, work in us to be a faithful people, bearing witness wherever we go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.